The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Today's guest is Rick Baldocki, who's the vice president of Avcon. Rick, thanks for being here. Thanks, John, for having me. Well, it's great to see you, buddy. Tell me this, um, overall big picture, your thoughts on today's real estate market. You're an engineer uh, by trade, so a successful company. What do you see as far as the real estate market today? Yeah, so my perspective is based on working for developers. We do deal with real estate brokers from time to time and looking at land acquisitions or development entitlements. And what we see is a very fragmented real estate market. For instance, multifamily continues to be strong. A lot of developers looking for land that can be entitled as multifamily. And then a lot of municipalities are really pushing for affordable or achievable housing, which can be controversial. But we see a lot of activity in the uh, multifamily market. Um, Office, of course, is really in flux. Partly because of COVID, the work at home has become more of an issue. So we we are not actually doing any office development projects right now. I think that whole industry is in, in flux and, and changing. Um, and that remote work, I think, is also translated into the residential market. So looking like folks who want single-family homes now want a home office. Hmm. So we're seeing little bit changes in the floor plans from from some of the home builders. Single family market has remained fairly strong, not as high as it was in the peak, but we still have a lot of developers looking for land to, you know, rezone or entitle as um, single family. The uh, there's also an industrial element that is important in Central Florida in certain areas. Um, a lot of things like Amazon and the way they deliver and warehousing is is an important part of what we see in the real estate market locally. And I think that's going to change a lot as self-driving trucks start taking over and fleeting. So there's going to be some, I think, changes in that market, or at least how we design them. The demand may stay the same, but I think the design may change. Gotcha. That's a great our perspective. Um, quick feedback on it. You know, first one on multifamily Man, if I had if I had a time machine, what would I would have started out with and just focused on? I mean, multifamily's been strong for thirty years in Orlando, right? I mean, it's a it's now when sometimes people have gone too high end, that's been a problem. But the core of that, the middle market's done really well for a long time in Central Florida. Yeah, especially the last eight to ten years. I I keep th- thinking there would be a bubble coming in multifamily when you would add up how many units were under construction, but it hasn't come yet. It just yeah. keep keeps getting developed. Yeah, and there's keeps me in demand for it. Um, the office one is really interesting to me because what I hear nationally is just disastrous, right? You know, you're from San Francisco, and that's one of those markets where I hear huge office towers in trouble. You hear about it in Chicago, you hear about it in Manhattan. And so I keep thinking, well, gosh, maybe there'll be an interesting opportunity in Orlando, but we haven't seen it yet. And I know there's big fears, and I've talked to some brokers who are really scared, but it seems like it's maybe more geographic. Um, and even when you get to central Florida, like 
Winter Park seems to be fine, whereas maybe, you know, Southside is having a, a rough time. Do you have any sense on that as far as how that, the, the geography of the office market make, breaks up? Well, certainly I think Florida is in a unique environment. We, people are moving here, so there's, they need a place to work. But we're seeing existing offices be converted to more than one company. So they have less office space because mm-hmm. they have a certain percentage working at home. So you're getting more efficiency maybe out of your office space or less demand per company, per employee, mm-hmm. because of the work at home element. It's interesting you say that is that um, uh, one of the things I've heard is that if you have a single tenant office building, one tenant, financing rates, fantastic. But if it's multi-tenant and it's got some vacancy issues, it's a different, whole different ballgame. So it even breaks down, I guess, in subsects as, as well. So interesting. Um, I love what you said about um, home. You know, people looking at residential builders as have a, the ability to have a home office. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I have an office in my house, so, you know, I get it and I can see why that would matter. But I hadn't had that perspective on the development side of things. So that's an interesting perspective, too. I think even in multifamily, they're looking for somewhere that they can work at home, hmm. uh, even if it's part-time. Yeah. So it's, and does that mean just like a space that you could have a desk and a phone and uh, maybe it's quieter? I mean, what's what's the dynamic and the design of something like that? Yeah, a quiet area where you can separate yourself from whatever's in your home, pets, right. children, you know, we lot, you know, we've all been on Zoom meetings with the dog in the background. Right. And, so, and so I think people are looking for that. And, and we have a work at home policy and we require that our employees have a quiet area that, that they can work. And I think the reason it's translating into apartments, it does seem like, and I don't know this as an expert, but seems like the young people aren't as interested in buying homes as they have been in the past. They don't mind renting. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I would say it's funny. Um, I have a great Dane and she seems to absolutely know the most pivotal time of a zoom call to start barking, like, or the squirrel comes out at that moment. I don't know, but I get that. And so, uh, being a little bit more mindful of where that would be in a home or apartment, that makes sense to me. And then on the industrial side, that's the other one. Industrial like multifamily has, has really stayed strong for a long time. When you, you start talking about the self-driving trucks, all I can visualize is the original Terminator movie, like that's going to be the end of it all kind of a thing. But uh, that's a real thing. It's coming, and that's going to continue to be part of the part of the real estate development or overall community, correct? Correct. They're already doing these fleets in Europe. So uh, as you drive down the highway, you may see a group of eight or ten trucks driving together very close to each other, and it becomes much more efficient as they draft from each other, Mm. Uh, they take up less space on the highway they, because they don't need as much space between the vehicle in front of them as the computer makes sure they don't hit each other. So I, I'm i hearing we should be seeing that here in the next three years, perhaps. How do you feel about that? I mean, first off, you're a cyclist, so you know about drafting, so I get that part of it. But how do you feel about having these trucks without drivers, just you as a person? What do you think about that? I think potentially it's a, it'd be a big safety improvement because one of the biggest accidents for truck drivers is fatigue and they really? fall asleep at the wheel. So wow. you have eliminated that with AI by putting a, you know, and, and they typically will have one driver in the truck and maybe the lead truck to you know, just watch everything and make sure everything's going fine. So you eliminate that fatigue problem. As long as the lead truck guy doesn't fall asleep, I guess that's what yeah, you're Theoretically, to. he could fall asleep, I suppose, <laughs> but 
but it should be less tiring for him because he can most of the time just read or, you know, do some work. He doesn't have to be totally in tune with driving the truck. Right. He's there for different reasons. So you actually could take a break to your point, things right. like that. No, that no, no, totally makes sense. Anything else big picture real estate wise you think we need to be thinking about that just jumps to the front of your mind? Working with local government still a big issue. We need to do a good job of that. Working with local governments is, is a challenge. They, I mean, they have their own agenda and not, they're not bad. I mean, sustainability is certainly, and in the environment is, is a big element of real estate development and permitting and making sure we are good stewards of the earth. And so that, that makes things challenging. Most of, at least in central Florida, most of the easy land has been developed. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing are projects that have what we say, have some hair on it, whether it's an environmental issue, it's in a floodplain, there's wetlands there. They all have a challenge that needs to be overcome and we need to do it in a way that is not impactful to the environment or the local community. As we start densifying, you might get uses that don't necessarily go well together. I served on planning and zoning in Orange County and that was compatibility was a big deal. Like you move an apartment complex in next to a single family uh, subdivision, the some of the single family homeowners don't necessarily like that mm -hmm. where it's really kind of compatible. If we want to reduce commute times, reduce people's driving, if you densify those areas, then you, people don't have to drive everywhere, right? They can walk to the coffee shop. They can maybe even walk to work, but to do that, you, you have to densify, but it does create conflicts between different uses. So compatibility and unity. And uh, with that in mind, I want to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to ask you about leadership. You've done a lot of your career. And I want to get your advice about uh, future leaders in the community, what they need to be thinking about. So uh, Rick Baldocki, Vice President of AFCON, thank you. We'll take a quick break. And we'll be back at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. And we are back. This is John Crossman. I'm here with Rick Baldocki. Rick, you had a, a long career and you've done a lot, obviously, in real estate as an engineer, as a leader in the industry. And you've also done a lot of community service work, um, different leadership things. And then you've also done a lot of volunteerism on top of that. So 
I feel like you've seen leadership from a lot of different perspectives. And a lot of our listeners are younger professionals or college students or rising stars. So what I want you to tell us about is what is your advice to them? If you're saying, hey, if you're in your 20s and your goal someday is to be a CEO, major leader like like you have done and are doing, what are the traits you think they need to have inside themselves to be a successful leader? Well, I think number one is passion. And, and that has to do with your passion for life, yes, but a passion for what you're doing. You should be doing something you like. So whether it's work or your volunteer work, you know, or at your church, whatever, you need to be passionate about it. And you need to display that passion because other people will sense your passion and then they will get engaged because of your passion. So I'd say number one um, would be passion. Uh, number two, I think, is to have a servant leader attitude. Um, set the example for one thing. If simple things like we're we're trying to get our staff to do their timesheets on a daily basis, right? So we as the principals have committed we're going to do ours on a daily basis because if we don't set the example, they won't. And, and that could come down to just if copies need to be made and there's no one else to make it, make the copies. Nothing's beneath you. So that's part of humility that goes with. Uh, servant leadership. I'd say the third thing would be forward-looking. You know, obviously you have to take care of what's going on today, but you also have to look forward. For instance, I have some employees that if they're very busy one day, they'll say, oh, we're so busy, we need to hire more people. And, you know, looking out, we're not going to be so busy next week. So you need to be uh, forward-looking, and to do that, you have to be data-driven. It's like when I hear someone say, we're too busy, we need more people, I go back and look at the data. You know, what's our backlog, what's coming, so that I can make a educated decision outside of emotion. You know, emotions are important, but the decision, sometimes you need to get emotion out of it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's sort of funny, like your number one and your number four are kind of total opposites in a, in a way. So, but let's let's talk about this. First off, let's talk about passion. Totally agree with you. And can you get us go further to kind of what that looks like? You know, um, like, let me say this. Um, can you choose to be passionate about things? Like, can you kind of, kind of like, like if you're doing a job and you're humdrum job and you don't really like it, can you kind of go, you know what? Um, maybe there's a different way to look at this and I can choose to be passionate and find, find a purpose within the job. Can that happen? I think so. I mean, the saying every cloud has a silver lining can apply. In other words, you you may be bogged down in the details, but if you step back and look at overall what you're doing, I hope you're passionate about it. Um, maybe you got to find something in the job to make you passionate. You know, I've thought about this as like, you know, if you're uh, working for McDonald's and you're like, this is not my passion, my shit begins at 10 and ends at, you know, five. And so I get to work at five, 10 01 or whatever kind of a thing. That's one person. But another person shows up, gets to work at 9.45, they're dressed, they're ready to go. They're always smiling. They're always finding extra things to do. They don't leave until, hey, check in with the boss. Hey, need me to stay late. If somebody does that in a job, if the job itself is not passionate about, they create the passion, what's going to happen is they're going to get promoted or they're going to get hired away, right? So there is a way that you can choose that. So if somebody hearing this is like, well, I'm not passionate about where I'm at. I don't know what my passion is. Just decide to be passionate about where you're at. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. Talk to me about, you know, servant leader. It's sort of funny. It's like, when I hear that in my brain, that seems so obvious, but you're saying it must not be obvious all the time, right? So 
I guess some people have more of a mindset of like, what's in it for me? Or they get into leadership and they kind of see the like they're the, they're the king, they're the boss kind of thing. I had a recruiter to me one time say, John, you'd be amazed how many times people say that the most important thing is making money. But when they're looking the job, they'll give up a lot of money to have the title. And that's, I can't even get my head around that, but I guess that's a, that's a thing that some people are more about the Jersey than about doing the work. Is that, is that something that you see? Absolutely. E- even at every level in our organization, I see folks that are very upset about their title. They, they want a different title. They don't, they don't want to raise, they just want a different title. And I struggle with that a little bit. Did you just give it to them? Right. Um, like, well, if you do more, you get the title. Right. And I love the saying that if, if you do more than you're paid to do, eventually you'll be paid more for what you do. Right. Um, but, but I do, I do see leaders who, you know, won't go make the copies when it needs to be done. That that's beneath me. I, somebody else should go do that. And maybe there's nobody to do it. And, and I do see leaders that tend to disrespect those below them. T- to me, everyone in the organization is important and should be treated with respect. And that's part of being a servant leader. I think other don'ts. I, I, I had, I had one uh, partner once that wanted the secretary to get her tea and coffee in the morning. And the secretary wasn't happy about it. That's not my job. And, and then one time he asked her to pick up his dry cleaning. She was very unhappy about it. And his point was, what's the difference? It pays the same. And I said, well, okay, she's getting paid, but she must feel it's demeaning or she doesn't think it's part of her job. So go get your own laundry. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That's hard. I see a balance in that because, you know, from the leadership standpoint, I want to be a guy that will do anything, right? Like if there's garbage, pick it up. I, I was in a, we have a general break room here that all of us in the building use. And I was on my hands and knees wiping up some water and somebody walked in like, what are you doing Crossman? I'm like, well, I spilt some water and I I was, I want to make sure it was cleaned up. Right. So uh, to me, it's like, I, 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 get that, but I don't want to definitely put that on somebody else, you know, but that's my choice. And I think that's what you're saying is an admirable choice as the servant leader. The forward looking comment, I thought that is brilliant. That, that is something I don't think people think through. And I, it made me realize years ago, I had a Jacksonville office and it was underperforming and they were losing money. And when I asked them about what do we need to do to get the numbers up, their immediate thing was hire more staff. It was the funniest thing in the world to me. It's like, so you're losing money and your solution is to lose more money, right? Right. And so that is a brilliant thing of like really trying to look around the corner of what that that does combined with your comment about data-driven, like making decisions based on facts. And that that's a healthy balance with the, with the passion that like it's all rooted in a, a thoughtful, intentional process. Is that right? Yes. And the one point though I want to add is you can't get too hung up on the data and the facts to where you get paralyzed and can't make the decision. I think it was Colin Powell who said he makes a decision when he has like 60% of the facts Hmm. because you never can get to a hundred and you'll paralyze yourself and take too long to make decisions if you wait to a higher level. Well, and that's sort of last thing we're going to wrap up in just a, a minute, but you've taken a lot of risk. Uh, in your career and things sort of in addition to your career, I guess it's all helped your career, but why have you chosen to take so many different risks? I think it's driven that. You know, that's a good question. I, I didn't see it as that much of a risk when I was 25 years old <laughs> and we talked about starting a new company, but I think a, we all had a passion for doing a great job. 
on an engineering consulting firm. We felt restricted a little bit by the company we were working for, which was a national company. I mean, good company, but obviously national companies have to have more rules and policies. And they, we felt like they were restricting us. And funny thing is the other day I told one of my employees, I said, man, now that we're 120 people, we're starting to have to do some of the things that caused us to leave the first company in the first place. And I get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, again, we were, we were passionate about what we were trying to do and we wanted to do it on our own. I got policies. Got to make that do that to make it make it run well. Well, Rick, um, grateful for you. Grateful for your friendship. Grateful for you being a leader in this community, uh, in real estate and in uh, the community service, public service arena, and in your the volunteerism you do. So, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me, John. All right, uh, that's been Rick Beldocki, Vice President Avcon. We're going to take a quick break, then we we'll back with the last word with uh, me and Mike Gillen. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. We are back here, the final segment here with the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. And with me, as always, is my boss, Mike Gillen. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Mike, um, Rick Beldocki. Interesting stuff, right? Really great stuff. I learned a lot. Number one, I was slightly horrified at that thought about all those trucks in a row with no driver. I'm I'm still getting my brain around that Have one. we learned nothing from the Terminator series? I, I mean, tell that's you what, I'm what that's you, exactly like, right. You know, we don't want the machines to be this much in control, right? Right. Uh, that said, you know, he makes a great point. You know, when he talks about the fatigue and talks about drafting, it's, it's funny because the, after a little joking about it, when I think about what he said, that was just very, very insightful, right? Yeah, it really is. And it also, I also, I really never thought about the home office component and what that means, the design of homes, design of apartments. When he made the comment about you need to have a quiet room in your house, I was like, gosh, that's really good. It's not yeah. just like, hey, I'm going to do my, quote, work here you got to do it someplace that if a dump truck was going by or a landscaper, that was very insightful. I didn't, I never thought about that from a perspective, right? When we moved down here from uh, Gainesville, we did that exact thing because I've needed a a room for years, had one in Gainesville as well, where I do uh, the announcing work that I do. So that home office is very important. Right, right, right. And I I was surprised to hear about the lack of kids wanting to own homes. Now that surprised me. Yeah, you know, again, it's interesting trends, right? Trends change, and I, but I think Rick is you know, being aware of that and how that impacts your job. Like yeah. what we think is in the future, you can't base it on our life experience. You got to you got to get research. Which pushing it over to his comments about uh, leadership, you know, like passion, you know, servant leadership, love that clearly. Then he goes into that forward thinking and data. Yeah, that was really solid, man. It like, was very cool. Well, yeah. because, you know, again, like I love that comment, like, hey, we're busy. Let's hire people. That's the easiest thing to do. It's just like when we're in real estate, we're selling a building. The easiest thing is let's lower the price. It's not selling. Well, that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. And so I think that his thoughtfulness and that like slow down, what's the data, you know, and it's not all the data, but 
trying to look around the corner before you make that next big decision. Yeah. Really good. And you can never go wrong having a servant attitude as a leader. You just can't, you can't yeah. go wrong with that. You know, you're so right because I think the bigger you get, um, your, your imagery, the, the brand of you, uh, people have heard of you, right. Kind of a thing, or they see the title, they're already lifting you way up. And so when you make an intention to reach down uh, it changes the dynamics, right? Yeah. Uh, very, very significantly. Very, so, very much so. Yeah. I mean, look, I think when you and I think about, you know, leaders you and I both know and we respect, the, their servant heart is what we and I always talk about, right? Like you know, that, it, that it, jumps up. It's exactly right, John. And, you know, when you think about the things, uh, this has been on my heart this last year because of losing both my mom and my father-in-law. At, at a person's funeral, what they, how much money they made, that's never talked about. Yeah. It's going to be things like whether they were a servant leader, whether they had a heart, an attitude of help. That's the stuff that people are going to remember you for in the most important times. Mm, it's very defining. Well, Rick Beldock is that guy, right? Rick, he's the guy. He's, he's the real man. Um, so um, uh, thanks again, Mike, as always. It's uh, my joy, my friend. Yep. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.